This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to the channel and welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat Podcast. In this edition, we'll be previewing the game. Manchester United take on Tottenham Hotspur on Sunday at Old Trafford, 4.30pm kickoff. To preview this game, I've got very special guest, Beth Tucker from the United Stand with me. Beth, pleasure to have you here. How are you? Thank you for having me for a start. And yeah, I'm happy to be here. I, I would say I'm looking forward to the game, but with the way that Spurs have been playing this season, I'm probably not, to be honest. And you've actually got cracking in the January transfer window on like us. But yeah, thank you for having me. And yeah, I'm excited to have a, have a little chat. Beth, I'll tell you what, the Spurs fans are feeling excited at the moment because, of course, we've been playing Ange Ball. We've been entertained. Of course, we've had Jose Mourinho, Antonio Conte, you know, over that boring, dull football. And we're being entertained this season under Postacoglu. We're only six points away from top spot. Manchester United are currently in eighth, eight points behind Tottenham. Um, how would you describe your season so far? Because it seems to be very up and down, very inconsistent right now. It is inconsistent, but at the same time, which is completely contradicting myself, we're consistently poor. Like we're consistently inconsistent, if if you know what I mean. So for Man United, of course, there's been some highlights, like the Chelsea game was a good game, but they're literally a mid-table club now, so it's not really that special for us. The Aston Villa one at home was another great game where we came back and won it 3-2. But we know Aston Villa are much better when they're at home and their away form doesn't carry as well. And then we've had some horror show performances like losing 3-0 to Bournemouth at home. And granted, Bournemouth are doing very well, especially, you know, the last few weeks, but or the last month or so. But Manchester United are just nowhere near where they need to be. And the, the worst part about the whole thing is n- not even the results. It's the way we're playing. We're so boring to watch. We look like we don't have a play style. And a lot of fans right now are, are really feeling it. it. It's been a really poor season for us. It really has. Beth, you mentioned that Bournemouth game there at Old Trafford. 
Now, the Manchester United, of course, that we're so used to seeing winning title after title, trophy after trophy, to be losing games like that at home against Bournemouth. How are the fe- how are the fans feeling right now? What is the what is the general feeling amongst the fan base with the with the style and the way that you're playing? They're not happy. They're not happy. But I, I think they're not happy in, in in lots of different departments. Of course, when people talk about Eric Ten Hag, there's a few, there's the fan base is very split. I feel like there's a lot of people, and I would say the majority still want to give Eric Ten Hag the chance, especially under the new Ineos structure and with Sergio Ratcliffe coming through. And I think. The reason why that they want to do that is because United fans are so sick of the manager cycle because we've got rid of so many managers and, and nothing's ever changed. So we actually want to stick with one manager. But that, even if you want to stick with the manager, which for now I still would just because I just don't think there's any point of changing anything right now at all. We're not in a position where we, we can afford to really get anybody in. And I do want to see what Eric Ten Hag can do for the rest of the season. But I think what the fans are most frustrated with is is the is the play style. It's so poor to watch. We get glimpses here and there, but it is so poor to watch. We've had excuse after excuse. Obviously, the injuries, the ownership situation, these are all massive things that can impact you. But everybody across the Premier League has dealt with injuries. Like, you guys have dealt with a lot of injuries. Newcastle have dealt with a lot of injuries. And of course, you've seen Newcastle drop off because of that. And that is a partial reason to why we've dropped off. But the way that we've played this season is is so poor. I don't think... We we barely win games by more than one goal when we do win them. And I think Eriksen Hag was right when he said, last season we overperformed. Because last season we did we did well, but our performances still weren't like... They weren't great performances. We got results over the line. This season, we've been playing poorly and we've not been managing to get results over the line. So there's so many different things. People are hoping now that with Ineos and Sergio coming in, things might change. But it's the hope, isn't it? That's what you've got. To, that's what you've got to do. You've got to hope a little bit. But you know, the season's far from over. But for me, right now, as a United fan, you do feel like there's not really much left to play for, which is quite sad, to be honest. Beck, with uh, Sir Jim Radcliffe uh, putting in uh, the money to buy 25% of the club, what do you hope gets changed? What, what what do you hope for? Well, the main thing for me, which obviously, you know, a lot of fans will hear Gary Neville talking about Old Trafford, the stadium, and how, how much that needs changing. Of course, that, that does need fixing. Like, you know, the, the leaking roof is embarrassing. The training ground needs to be improved. All of them things are true. But, you know, a nice, shiny new stadium doesn't win you doesn't win you football games. Like, it's great. It doesn't win you football games. Where I feel like Manchester United have been going wrong for years, which is our biggest, biggest, biggest issue, is recruitment. Our recruitment is terrible. We overpay for underperforming players. When we buy players that look really good before they come to us, i.e. Jaden Sancho, they get here and we don't have any plan for them. It's like it's it, it's 20 years old or, or 21 years old, whatever age he was when he came. I think it was 20. It's like you bring him and you think, you think he's just going to do exactly what he did at Dortmund at Manchester United. There's no plan behind the scenes of what his journey is at Manchester United. How are you going to integrate them into the team? We're so poor at embedding players in. And because we are already at, we're so inconsistent as it is to put new signings into that. It's it's like a it's a it's a disaster waiting for hap- to happen. There's only been few signings really since Sir Alex, where you can say they've been really successful. The amount of poor signings we've done. I mean, signing Pogba and then 
him going back to Juventus on a free, signing Jaden Sancho and him going back to Rusty Dortmund on loan. It's so poor. I mean, Anthony's another one, near enough 90 million, and he's nowhere near what he needs to be for that price tag. Of course, it's not his fault, but our recruitment de- department is terrible. And even like players that you feel like are going to do well, because even Mason Mount, and to be fair, he has been injured a lot of the summer, and I was excited for him when he came in. Like Klopp wanted him, Arteta wanted him, Tuchel wanted him at Bayern Munich, comes to Man United, and nothing. I know he's been injured, but still, even in the games he's played, it just doesn't look like there's a plan for him. So it's a graveyard for for good players, but also we've spent so poorly on, on a lot of players as well. And, and when, then when we sell players, when we sell a lot of our youth prospects, we sell them for such little money. It's like Tida Mengi's playing at centre-back for Luton and uh, I think Crystal Palace are interested, Fulham are interested in him. We sold him for just, I think it was one million maximum fee. He might have been just under one million. We sell for so little as well. So our, our recruitment strategy is 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 really poor and we need to up it, definitely. That's that's the main thing where I think we're going wrong, to be honest. And there's a lot of other things, of course, but that's the main thing that I think is massively affecting us. Beth, when you said earlier about the playing style, um, is that not down to Eric Ten Hag? Because... You hear on Sky all the time the likes of Roy Keane and Gary Neville, and they know how to win football matches. They've got so many trophies, you know, one at Manchester United. They often talk about leaders. Who are the leaders at Manchester United? Is it the players on the pitch? Is it the manager? And you've also mentioned, uh, you know, behind the scenes and, and the board. Are the problems across, you know, all avenues? Which just all fiddles down from the top, in my opinion. And, of course, the manager has to take responsibility. Like We brought in Eric Ten Hag from Ajax, to play the style of football that he was renowned for in Europe at Ajax. Like, this is what people forget because you see a lot of fans now saying, oh, United need to sack Ten Hag and get De Zerbi in. De Zerbi's got a style. He knows what he's doing. De Zerbi, of course, does have a style. I think he's a brilliant manager. I really do. But let's rewind a second. When Eric Ten Hag was at Ajax, he had a really good style of football. He had an unbelievable record. And... We thought he was going to go and bring that to Manchester United. Now, every manager that comes to Manchester United, for some it's taken longer than others. They seem to get lost at the point, at some point in the managerial career when they're at United, and you can't really tell what's going on. Every manager's had a little bit that it's some it's some point since they've come in. So I'm not just putting it all on the board. I'm not. Eric Ten Hag needs to do better, and you know. The board and the owners don't choose his in-game management. They don't choose the starting eleven. I'm completely behind that. He needs to up his game. But I feel like above the manager at Manchester United, the board, the owners, everything that's above them just doesn't help at all. So like Eric Ten Hag, for example, he's chosen most of his signings at Manchester United. There's a couple you can say he's not. Like he wanted De Jong, he ended up with Casemiro like last minute. There's a few he's not, but most of his signings he, he's chosen. But that shouldn't be happening, in my opinion. Like you should have a sport, proper sporting director that's going scouting you out talent for your specific style of play. Pep Guardiola has it. Jurgen Klopp has it. Mikel Arteta has a really good relationship with Edu at, at, at Arsenal. I mean, that's what top successful clubs have. We don't have any of that. So I feel like behind the scenes, we've got such poor people recruited for jobs that you need a lot higher standard at. And, it, and I do think it massively filters down into the football club. But... Again, the players need to take some responsibility. There has been times this season where you think that's not what Man United players do. Like, we need so much more. I mean, there was a time at this point in the season, I think it was at Fulham, where the away fans had a sign-up saying, you know, play for the shirt. Mm. And that should never be happening. So it's across the board. I feel like there's 
standards have slipped over the years continuously that this is where we're at now. We're at this, we're at this, some might say it's rock bottom, but we're at this point where this is what happens when you have poor decisions after poor recruitment over the years and your standards slip. You get to this point, which I feel like that's where Manchester United are at right now. But Ten Hag needs to do better. There isn't there isn't excuses. You are the manager at the end of the day. It's your responsibility. So, so you personally, Beth, and, and uh, the guys at United stand, are you behind Eric Ten Hag right now? I'm still behind him, but it's challenging. It's very challenging. <laughs> like, yeah. I, it's I want to be behind him, but I don't agree with so many stuff he, he, he does, and and that's what the, the frustrating part is. Like, he came into the worst ever point scoring Man United team, and he got us top four, and we didn't think that was possible last year. Which is again standards on the floor for a Man United team, but this is where we're at. Got us top four. We won a trophy, which we'd been starved of. We hadn't won a trophy since Mourinho, so. That got a lot of the fans like excited. Like I'm not gonna lie, I thought we'd be up there like competing this season. I, I really did. And then we got to this season, and it was a massive shock. And we've been so poor. And a, a lot of it is on Eric Ten Hag's in-game management. A lot of it is on because we've had injuries and because we've had certain other problems. But Eric Ten Hag, what the issue is that this is the main problem why it's hard to keep backing him is you just can't see what's how it's going to improve. You don't see where the style of play is. We can't score goals. We're third bottom in the league for for goal scoring. Like across all of the different stats that you, you can pull up, we look like the third least likely team in the league to score goals. I mean, that is poor. So it's tough to keep backing in. But at this point in time, you think to yourself, if if Man United sat Ten Hag now, what would they do? They'd bring in an interim for the end of the season and you know, you don't really know what's gonna happen. So and, and I, it's just not worth it. I think at least Keep the manager to hold the players accountable till the end of the season. See what he can do and then assess it in the summer. I think what Ten Hag did last year is earned the right to at least have till the end of the season to to show us the direction that we're going in. Beth, on the pitch, who are the leaders right now? Who, who are you really behind? I mean, the players that I, I love at Manchester United and that... Because a lot of Manchester United fans say, you know, the squad needs complete clear out. We need to start again. And I am in agreement with with a lot of that. But players I would keep if we were doing a full clear out tomorrow. And I wouldn't say they're necessarily the leaders, but players I would keep would be Garnacho, great talent. Kobe Mainu, I think, is another one that's come through. It looks like a great talent. Martinez, I love. I love Bruno Fernandes. And I know he's a really kind of controversial one, but I love him. And when I'm looking past that, I think Hoyland's got potential and I know, you know, he's had a lot of banter and he's he's only scored one Premier League goal, but I think he's got potential. But apart from that, there's not really anybody that stands out. Oh, probably Luke Shaw, yeah, as well. Luke Shaw, I, I really quite like. But the actual leaders on that pitch for Man United, well, Bruno's the captain and he gets criticised a lot for that. But I love Bruno and I think he is worthy of the captain's armband. You've got Martinez, who's been injured for a while. You've got Varane, who was obviously you know, won multiple trophies, well, won everything there is to win in the game. People will argue he's not as good as he used to be, but he's still a leader. So we have got leaders there, but I just think there's this culture at Manchester United that is a loser's mentality, unfortunately, and I think that's that's filtered for everybody. What have you made of former Spurs man Christian Eriksen? Have you been impressed? Do you know what? Eriksen I like. I. It, it depends on the game. If you're at home in a game that you're going to control, Eriksen's brilliant he's so good on the ball when he doesn't have to be too mobile he's brilliant he reads the game really well 
when you're in a game where it's physical and it's end-to-end, Ericsson's not your guy. Like, he just gets lost. He's not got the physicality, in my opinion, to keep up in them sort of games. So, for me, Ericsson's like a bit of a luxury player now. He's not someone that we should be consistently starting the starting eleven. He will do because that's how, like, our, our squad is quite poor right now. So, when you've got Ericsson now, you would look to start him. But Ericsson, for me, when every single person at Manchester United's fit... He should be somebody that you're utilising for certain games, but you shouldn't be relying on for every game. My starting midfield at United, with everyone fit, would be Mainu, Casemiro and Bruno. So Ericsson doesn't fit into that for me. But if you're playing in a, in a certain type of game where you feel like you're going to control it or you need some control in the midfield, Ericsson's good for that. I, I, I do like him. I think he's got qualities. Beth, of course, uh, Sancho's gone back to Borussia Dortmund today. What went wrong for him? Oh God, where do I where do I start with Jaden Sancho? He's gone back to Dortmund. He's calling it his home, and I said, you know, it's more like an Airbnb because it's not a permanent deal. So we can call it his home all he wants, but he's coming back at the end of the season, or we sell him for for some money, which would be the ideal scenario. Jaden Sancho is really. I was absolutely buzzing when we signed him because of how good he was at Dortmund. I thought he was going to be brilliant. We, we've been. It feels like Man United have been crying out for a right winger for years. It's every single summer we want a right winger and we just can't get it right. But I think there's a, there's, there's a few things that went wrong. First thing is I don't think he's got the right attitude. He's, you know, there's a lot of rumours and reports that his timekeeping was poor across his time, not only at Dortmund, but at England and at Manchester United. I don't like the statement he made against the manager. If you watch the press conference back, Ten Hag gets asked why Sancho wasn't selected. He said because of training, just because of training. Like, what was he meant to do lie? Like, that was his opinion. So for Jane Sancho to come out and say, you know, the man basically accuse the manager of lying and stick it on social media, I think, for two weeks, that's the complete wrong attitude. You see other players, you know, sometimes they have a breakout the team at other clubs because the manager wants them to do better. You don't see them writing statements on social media. He's already, he was already, you know, he, he'd already had near enough two years at Man United and hadn't really produced much. So I thought for that, I wasn't in agreement. Do I think he's a really talented player still? Yes. I just don't think he's been able to cut it at Manchester United for whatever reason. There's another part of this as well where I'm not going to completely j- blame Jaden Sancho. Like I said, we never have a plan for players. We don't know how to integrate them into the team. Ollie bought him to be a right winger. Turns out a couple months down the line, Jaden Sancho says, I only want to play on the left wing. That's what the reports are coming out. And it's like, how did we not know this before we signed you? So there's so many there's so many things. Like, obviously, Ollie got sat, then Randnick came in, and that was kind of a write-off year. It was hard for everybody. So I don't think Man United handled the Jaden Sancho transfer well I don't think they integrated him well I don't think they handled it well but on the other hand I don't want players at the club with an attitude of I'm not going to apologize and just sit out the team for three or four months so for me I hope Sancho does well at Dortmund then we can get more money for him when it's time to sell him. Beth how does it feel now as a Manchester United fan because when you think back the amount of trophies that the club won under Sir Alex Ferguson since he's left, you've gone through multiple different managers, very similar to Tottenham, actually, with the amount of managers that you've gone through. How does it feel now to, to be sitting in eighth place with the likes of Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs, all above you? It's, it's, it, it's not normal to you guys, is it? No, it's gotten, to be honest. And especially because last season, you know, Liverpool didn't have the greatest of seasons last season. You guys didn't really do well last season, to my uh, recollection. And yeah. we were kind of... We were the next best after 
after City and Arsenal. And I thought this season we'd kick on and be able to at least compete with Arsenal, who have actually dropped off a little bit as well. But it's it's unfortunate and, and it frustrates me because I'm a football lover. I love all football. I love Premier League. And then when I watch Man United play like that every weekend and then I go and watch, you know, like Spurs versus Arsenal or Liverpool versus Man City and I see the quality and, and, the, and the style of play, like, I just think to myself, why can't we play like that? Like, we, fair enough, we went to Anfield and we got a point for a boring nil-nil where we sat behind the ball and barely had a touch. Like, but that's not how I want to play football. And I know that... I really like Ange, by the way. I think he's doing a brilliant job. And I really like the way you guys fo- play football. And sometimes it doesn't work. Like, for example, the Brighton game. Like Sometimes it doesn't work. But at least you know what you're going to get. And at least you know there's a style to it. And it's enjoyable for you to watch. Whereas for me, it's just not like that. So it, it's gutting. Like, this has been Man United, though. We've not actually competed for a title since Sir Alex left. Like, over 10 years. So we're not used to competing at the top. But this yeah. thing where we're dropping in and out of the top four every couple of years, like it's just, it, it's not good. Like it's, we're not used to that, and it's, it's poor. It's really poor to watch more than anything. What would be a successful season for Man- Manchester United in from, May? From now, or just in general? Well, at, at, at the end of the season, if you were to get any type of European football, is that a successful season for you? I mean. Obviously, you want to. It's weird because I would say, like, I, I'm sick of Europa League because of United. Yeah. Always, we either drop into it or we're in Europa League. And I'm sick of it. Like, I, I feel like saying that, but then I don't want to turn my nose up at, at Euro, European football. We might not even get Europa League. Genuinely, that's how poor we've been. So, obviously, you know, if we can get Europa League, that'd be great. If it was any, if it was like Conference League, I'd rather not be in it. To be honest. I'd rather just have that tr- that time on the training ground in the week because, you know, you guys have had the benefit of that. Whereas, you know, you dropped out of the Carabao Cup quite early. You've not been in Europe this season. And has just come in. You've had the time on the training ground, which I do think is worth a lot. Ten Hag, and I'm not making excuses, since he came in, we were playing in every single competition. We went to, we won the Carabao Cup. We went to the final of the FA Cup. We went quite far into the Europa League. Like we barely, I think we played one of the most games in, in, in Europe. So, if we can't get Europa League or Champions League this year, I think we're definitely out of Champions League contention. But if we can't get Europa League, then I would definitely just want to have the full week next season to to kind of just focus on the style of play, to be honest. Beth, what have you made of the signing of Onana? Because I find this really, really bizarre, the fact that he hasn't flown to AFCON. They've kept him for the Wigan FA Cup game. They're keeping him for the Spurs game on Sunday. And then, of course, he's going to be flying off and perhaps playing a game, you know, hours later. It just seems crazy. Is is this the right thing to do? It, it's, it's weird to me. It's weird to me. I just keep thinking to myself, how bad is buying deer in training? Because it's not as if that's our second keeper. Because it's, it's not as if... And Anna's come in and done very well, to be honest, either. Well, like, and another another stat I saw the other day, Onana, um, during one of your matches, forgive me, I, I can't remember which one it was, but he had the most touches of one of your players. It's crazy. It's, it's mad. We, we, we really are like, we are, we can't keep possession. It's so poor. That's where Ericsson comes in and, and can be quite good. Like, we, we treat the ball like a hot potato. It's, it's wild. Like, we cannot keep the ball. Kobe Maynard can keep the ball. Ericsson can keep the ball. Martin is at the back can keep the ball. Apart from that, you were you really are struggling, and that's that's it's poor poor coaching. But also, we've signed so many players that for me aren't up to the technical level over the course of how many years. But the Onana thing is weird to me. I think 
what is happening is Ten Hag wants him to stay because obviously he's not come in and, and been as good as we thought he would be. So I think mm. he wants to like play him into form, play him into form. He's hoping as many games as possible. Maybe also he doesn't want to throw Bayern Deer into, you know, Spurs at home. It's a it's, a, it's an important game for us. Maybe he doesn't want to throw him into that as his first game. But you could have played Bayern Deer against Wigan and you still chose not to. So, we, like, you know, you could have had that for his first game and seen what he was like. So, it's a strange one to me. And Arno obviously was so terrible in the Champions League. He's actually been decent in the Pran. I just hope he plays well because it's it's a strange situation. I, I I rate the commitment to the badge, of course, but I don't get it. Like, Ten Hag wanted Bayern Deer at Ajax when Anana initially left. When Anana initially left Ajax, Ajax were linked to Bayern Deer for months. Ten Hag really wanted him. So, why isn't he playing? Like it, it's strange to me. Beth, you mentioned the Champions League. There, it just seems another crazy stat: the fact that you scored three goals away from home in all three group stage games, and you finished bottom of the group. What on earth happened in the Champions League? Honestly, I think this will be this will be wrong, but I'm not far off. I think the average we were conceding goals after scoring was six minutes. It's like I used to say we'd score, and whoever was watching, I was like, set a timer. We'll concede in a second, and that's that, that's genuinely what it was like. And of course, Anana made some absolute howlers. There is mm. no, no excuse for that. But how easy it was to get into our box, how easy it was to get the, the chances off, how much the players switched off in certain situations. It's a mindset thing again. It was crazy, and I then again I looked to the coach and say, well, you're you're the manager of this team. Like, how is that continuously happening? So it was, I mean, it was it was embarrassing, really. Like, it, I was like, oh, you know, we're actually starting to score some goals because we struggled to score goals. But then the amount that we were conceding, it was just an embarrassment. And Anana did make some howlers. If Anana would have been, you know, would have been on top form, we would have got through the group, I think. So, but then but you can't make excuses for the really poor defending in certain situations as well. It was, it was terrible. <laughs> Not a good memory. Yeah. Beth, it just seems that I'm reading you out really poor stats here on a Man United front, but even even the food hygiene rating, one out of five at Old Trafford, what's all that about? Well, it's not a coincidence that all our players are, are ill now. Every, every <laughs> week, and it's like a badly run soap. It's like someone's writing a script. Our players, I think Ericsson was ill, Ahmad was ill, Rashford was ill a few weeks ago, Martial's been ill. All the players have been ill. And it's like, have they been eating the chicken as well? <laughs> it's like no we can't get anything right Chris we can't get anything right Beth when I look at your results 10 wins in the Premier League out of 20 and this is how inconsistent it is only one draw and nine defeats when we talk about the wins 1-0 uh, against Wolves 3-2 against Forest 1-0 against Burnley 2-1 against Brentford 2-1 against Sheffield United 1-0 against Fulham 1-0 against Luton 3-0 against Everton 2-1 against Chelsea and 3-2 against Aston Villa when I read those um, stats out there What's been the highlight of your league season so far? What's, what's the game where you, you, you're thinking perhaps we're going to turn a corner here and perhaps we're going to kick on and, and, and find some consistency? There's been a couple where I thought, you know what, we're going to turn the corner. I think that Chelsea game, I really thought we were going to turn the corner because we actually played some good football. And then I can't remember what game it was after that, but it was a poor one. I remember, I remember that. And then... Also, most recently, the Aston Villa game. Actually, to be fair, the Aston Villa game, I, I I kind of knew what was coming. I was used to us by then. I knew how inconsistent we were. I would say the Chelsea game was definitely a game this season where I thought, this is where we're going to turn it around. Do you know what? Even when we lost to Arsenal away at the Emirates, I walked away from it thinking, we played well that game. Away mm. from home, which 
you know our record away from home against the top nine teams is absolutely terrible. We played well. We did go 2-1 up. It was like a whisker offside from Garnacho, And then unfortunately lost the game. And I thought, you know what? This is... We turned it around a little bit from the start of the season. But every time with Man United, you think they've turned it around. We'll just go and put in a howl of performance the next week. We do need... For me, we need our best 11 available to really get a grasp of where we're at. And we I don't think we've had a single best 11 play all season. Beth, nine defeats, as I mentioned, um, against Tottenham, Arsenal, Brighton, Palace, Man City, uh, Newcastle, Bournemouth, West Ham and Nottingham Forest. Um, one thing that really caught me a couple of weeks ago is when you drew against uh, Liverpool, nil-nil, mm. it seemed that so many Manchester United fans, you know, some of them were celebrating a nil-nil draw. And, I, I, you know, for me being a Spurs fan, to, to look at that, thinking, is, is that really what it's come down to now, celebrating a nil-nil draw against Liverpool? It was because... And, and I'm, trying to be where, I'm trying to be positive for you here. I know. The reason that happened, and in, I've, I mean, don't get me wrong, I wasn't over the moon with a nil-nil draw, but to be honest with you, Chris, I was just buzzing it wasn't 7-nil again. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's where, that's where the fans are at, because we were so worried going into that game, because obviously... When we got battered 7-0, which I don't like to speak about last season at Anfield, yeah. you do have worries going into that game that that could happen again, especially because of the, how poor we've been. I knew it wasn't going to because last season we went into it with a bit of confidence because we were playing quite decent and we had a quite good position in the league. And we actually tried to get, take the game to them and we just got absolutely demolished. I knew this season we were going to go into it with a lot more respect and park the bus, basically. Did I expect us to park the bus as much as we did? They even out outdid what I expected in that sense. So I was, to be honest, just happy not to lose. And that's again, it's a horrible position to be in. Well, that's that's where we're at. How are you feeling going into this Spurs game on Sunday? Because of course, in December, you played seven in the Premier League, one two, drawn one, lost four. Um, how are you feeling ahead of this Spurs game? I'm. I wouldn't say I'm optimistic because I don't think I'm optimistic going into any game now especially you know one against one of the top teams in the league the only thing that's given me some sort of positivity is Villa came to Old Trafford played a high line yeah. continued the style of football that they know works for them they didn't change it fair enough and that's where we had it looks like we had one of our best games because you know, Bruno loves a through ball to Rashford Ganacho. like we're great going in behind that's one thing we've got We've got worked out for us. We're good at playing against the high line. From what I know of Ange and what I know of Spurs, he's not going to change it coming to Old Trafford. He will play a high line. So I think we could maybe get some luck on the counter-attack and actually score score a goal. But the the thing is that I, I worry about with you guys, which is I do think it'll the game will have goals in it. I think you'll outscore us, which... And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Is, uh, that's, that's, my, that's kind of my opinion now, but I do think we could win the game. Like I think we could win the game at Old Trafford with a sense of if you do play that high line and, and, and we play it right. It's just whether we do play it right that that um, on that day. But we've been so inconsistent. You know, you could turn up and batter us. Anything could happen, really. Beth, just before we went live, Spurs announced uh, the second signing of the January transfer window, Radu uh, Dragushin. Um, and only a couple of days ago, we announced the first signing of um, Timo Werner. Manchester United were heavily linked to Timo Werner. Are you disappointed you didn't get him? And, and why do you think that was? If I say no, he'll score it on Sunday, won't he? <laughs> do you know? Do you know what? When we first got linked to Werner, I'm not going to lie. I was like, "Are you joking?" I was like, "Are you joking?" I was like, "That's the striker we're linked to in January." And then all the other options started to come out, like Chupo Moting. Yeah, but um, you've had you've had Verkhorst. Can you can you yeah, can you get any worse than that? And then I thought to myself, "Who do I think I am?" Like I started looking at all the options, and I thought. Out of all the options we've been linked to, Werner is the best choice. So I thought, if if, if if that's the options we've got, I would I would get Werner now. And then when you guys signed him, I thought, yeah, I think we've missed out there because I think actually under Ange, you'll be able to get a tune out of him. And he's got qualities, like he's got pace. He never stops running. In the right system, I think he can work. He's, he's, not, he's never going to be a world beater, in my opinion. But because of how much Man United have struggled in the attacking, in the attacking areas, we needed some somebody like that. So... I am actually quite disappointed he's ended up going to Spurs over United, just in the sense of the fact that it's not as if I was out there in January saying, yes, go and get Timo Werner, because I've seen him play in the Premier League before and I've seen him miss chance after chance after chance. And the last thing I thought we needed is a striker that couldn't hit a barn door. We've got enough of them. But out of all the options we've been linked to, I would have gone for him over over the others. So I am, I am, an, I, I am and I'm not at the same time, if you get me. <laughs> What do what do Manchester United need to do in the January transfer window, and what do you think they'll do? Man United, for me, need to sign a striker, and I also think they potentially need to sign a centre back. Do I think we'll do either of them things? I'm not too too sure. What I can see Man United doing is I can see Man United signing a Weghorst type striker on like the final day of the transfer window, some random loan that we're going to bring in out of desperation that probably won't have that much impact. I hope I'm wrong, but I've seen the story so many times. You know, you know, we've had Wegkos, we've had Agallo, and, you know, these are the good guys. You know, I've dreamt to play for United all my life. I love Man United, but you, they come in and they're nowhere near the quality. So it's the fact that Man United are doing that, again, it just shows how much we have fallen off because it's not something that a club like us should be doing. I mean, if we were a serious club, which... For it that we're not, and also we don't have the financial, we don't have the financial capability to do it. I would have absolutely loved us to go and sign Ivan Tony. It's never ever going to happen in a million years. One, Brentford won't let him go now; they're in a precarious position with the relegation thing. But two, we don't have the funds, and we don't have the the prowess to go and do something like that. So I would love us to sign. I'm not even asking for that level of striker, but a half decent striker. 
And then I, I think we needed to sign a centre-back. You guys are linked to him. I would have loved to get to Debo. I think he's great and hard to like him for a while. But I don't think that'll happen until the summer. I think we'll just get like a striker on deadline day. However, the new centre-back that you've signed, the new defender that you've signed, does look very good from what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing online. So maybe I'm a bit jealous of that one. Well, before we come on to Spurs, how's Hoyland getting on? Are you are you excited by him and, and the future? Chris, you know how Hoyland's getting on. <laughs> you know he scored one Premier League goal. <laughs> uh, to be fair, though, to him, obviously did really well in the Champions League, scored some cracking goals in that. That didn't end up counting for any points, but he did score some really good goals in, in, in that competition. Prem, it's been difficult for him. But if you watch Man United on a regular basis, which I'm sure a lot of you know the a lot of you guys on here would do, I watch a lot of Spurs. If you watch Man United on a regular basis, obviously you're never going to take as much notice as when you're watching your own team. But you yep. will see he does the right things, and he looks like he's got potential. The guy can't get across to him. No one passes to him. <laughs> like Anthony and Garnacho and, and Rashford, they barely they barely pass to him. We never get crosses into the box. We started to pick it up a little bit, but he really has been feeding off scraps. So, of course, he needs to improve. He's raw, he's young, and he's got development areas. His movement needs to improve a bit. His hold-up play needs to improve a bit, of course. But at the same time, we don't cater to a number nine. It's like if you look at look at Liverpool when they had Roberto Firmino. Mane and Salah were unbelievable and they had like a facilitating yep. number nine. And I'm not calling Rashford and Ganacho Mane and Salah. I'm not. But they are like inside forwards. So the same style of forwards, so forwards that are going to cut in shoots, forwards that are going to score goals. Therefore, they have a facilitating number nine. When you look at strikers that have like a pinpoint number nine, you have wingers that are proper wingers that are getting crosses into the box and are creative. We play with a proper number nine, but then two inside forwards that also want to shoot. So he's never getting the ball to him. So I think the style of play needs to improve before we properly judge Highland. But he needs to improve. But I can see a lot of potential in him. Beth, before we talk about Tottenham, um, Manchester United team news for Sunday. Um, Maguire still out. Casemiro still out. Lindelof still out. Any any more? From what I've heard, yes. Um, to be fair, I can't... I've heard that they're... They're out, but I'm pretty sure Ericsson Hag said that Ericsson and Maguire and Mount might be ready to make an appearance against Spurs. So I think I think Maguire, I don't know if he's back in training, but that's what Ten Hag said. So I think there's a lot of players that are kind of on the cusp of being back and they may or may not be part of it. That list is obviously Casemiro and Martinez are back in training. I don't think they'll make the Spurs game, but we'll have to wait and see. Maguire, he said, was close, but I don't think I've seen him in the training pictures. Ericsson, I think he's going to be back. Ahmad, I think he's going to be back. And Lindelof, I think he's still out. I'm not sure. But they're all kind of on the fence, I think. What have you made of all the criticism about Harry Maguire? And what do the Manchester United fans feel about all the criticism that he receives? I think he deserved the criticism he got before he turned it around a bit this season, to be honest. Like, of course, like, let me just get this straight. I am not in agreement with personal, like, you know, personal abuse or anything like that. Abuse, yeah. I'm not in agreement with. I think it's horrible. Like, some of the stuff that he's had to enjoy is horrible. Criticism, that's part of football, and that's always going to always gonna be allowed because everyone should be able to have an opinion. I think the criticism he received was fair. He was so poor. 
And when you come in, whether it's your fault or not, with an £80 million price tag and you become the captain of Man United, you're going to get, you're going to get stick if you don't play well. And he didn't. Like, he was laughable, like some of his performances. Like, he looks like he, he had no pace. He was making mistake after mistake after mistake. I think his confidence was shot, which was unfortunate, but it just didn't, didn't look like he could carry the weight of the shirt. Abuse I'm not in agreement with, but the criticism was fair. Like, he was costing us a lot, a lot of games. And he wasn't a very good captain, in my opinion. However, since Ten Hag changed the captaincy and he came in and played that good form, spell of form this season, granted he got injured, which was really unfortunate for him because he was doing really well. I can't fault the way he played this season when he played. I thought that's the Maguire that we thought we were going to get. He looked, he actually looked like he was talking more and being more of a leader without the captain's armband, which was strange. He was, his passing was dead good in the box. It's like his head was a magnet to every ball. He played really well. So Maguire before this season, criticism warranted. Maguire this season, I think he's done well. But I still think we need to upgrade. I still think he should go. Beth, what are the positives this season for Man United? <laughs> you haven't Mainu. spoke about many positives so far. Kobe, Kobe Mainu and Alejandro Ganacho are our positives. Uh, the, the, what Carrington is producing, we're still producing good players, which is obviously what we pride ourselves on. And Ganacho is become a first teamer this this year. Like he was in obviously in the squad last year, and he had a lot of substitute appearances this season. He's nailed down a starting position. And I think, obviously, he's not been good every game, but he looks like he's got a really bright future ahead of him. Kobe Maynou's just started to come into the starting eleven. Ten Hag wanted to integrate with the start of the season, unfortunately got injured. He's 18 years old, and I'm sure you've heard a lot about him, but he's literally running the midfield for Man United. He looks head and shoulders above everybody else. So for him to come in and play like that in some really tough games, like Goodison away, Anfield away, he looks like a shining light. So I'm, I'm happy about him. He's, he's look, he looks like a great talent. So they're my positives. And and to be fair, I do think Hoyland looks like he's got potential, but 72 million for potential was crazy. We had to, we had to have bought a more experienced striker as well. We should have bought Harry Kane, but here we go. <laughs> yeah. Beth, of course, um, Ange Postacoglu took over in the summer. Um, our first home game at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium under our new boss was Manchester United, which, of course, we won the game. Um, your your thoughts on that game earlier on in the season? You outplayed us. I do think we had some decent chances. I thought we didn't play horrendously. But you outplayed us and you you took your chances. That's how that's how I would I would play out that game. Well, did it finish two nil? Two nil, yeah. It finished two nil. I remember before it went to one nil, it felt quite. It felt at first it felt quite even. I've cast my mind back a lot here, and then you started to overrun us. Then you ended up scoring the goal, and then once you got the second, you just kind of knew it was game over for us. That's when alarm bells started ringing in my head for, for the for the season ahead, and we've kind of not been able to to get into the season since then, to be honest. But we did have chances in that game. We did have chances. Yeah, I remember Fernandez missing for a header for about six yards. But that, the... that, that, oh, it drove me insane. I remember that now. Yeah. Um, the stats of this fixture in the Premier Wait, League, sorry, since the Premier League second. started. Also, we should have had a handball, was it, on Romero? Yeah, I thought you might say that. I thought I'd move on quickly. Now I'm casting my mind back to it. It's actually more of an even game than that than, than I thought it was. Yeah, it was. We were unlucky in that game. To be fair, 
Well, the stats um, since the Premier League started in 1992, um, 63 games played. Manchester United um, quite often win this fixture. 39 games, Tottenham 11, 13 draws. We've only won four games at Old Trafford since 1992. Um, when you think of this fixture, Manchester United Spurs, either at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium um, or Old Trafford, what do you think? Because Alex Ferguson you know, once said, lads, this is Tottenham. What do you think about this fixture? I love Sir Alex. Honestly, that's how I used to think about it. Before before Rand Postacoglu, which I'm not getting too carried away. He has done well, but Ten Hag did well in his first season. <laughs> and, no, he has got his employable staff play. I'm not getting carried away with it, but I used to think that about Spurs. I used to think, you know what? We always seem to do well. I remember the Ronaldo hat-trick at Old Trafford. I remember yeah. last year, I think Spurs was our best game of the season. Fred had a masterclass and, and, and Ronaldo actually ended up storming down the tunnel at the end of the game because he only, he only like Ten Hag tried to make him come on for a few minutes and he refused to. But we yeah. played such a good game. We won 2-0 that game. We've had joy against you at Old Trafford. Away, it's been more difficult for us, I think, but we still have had quite some joy away. I remember Oli, even before he got sats, ended up winning that game, Cavani and stuff. So we've always had a good time against Tottenham, I felt like, but under Ange, it's, it does look like it's more difficult. And I think we'll go into this game with probably a lot more a lot more respect. Ollie against uh, Nuno Espirito Santo. We, we were glad that we lost that game to bring Antonio Conte in. Um, Beth, I wanted to ask you, um, what, what are your thoughts on Jose Mourinho? Because, of course, he was sacked six days before a final at Spurs. What do you make of him as United manager? Loved him. Loved him as United manager. I know it spurs like you guys. I don't know what your guys' feeling about him is. I know it was a difficult time. I do think he should have had the opportunity to play that final, though. I, I stand yeah. by that. I think if he played that final, you would have won. Yeah. And I think that was pettiness from Daniel Levy to kind of, you know, get rid of him before that. I think he should have played the final. But with Mourinho, he's time at Man United. Towards the end, I think everybody was in agreement he should have gone. But looking back at that now... But from what we know now of the club and where we've gone to, he had he got given nothing in his summer transfer window, absolutely nothing, and he wasn't backed. So I kind of regret sacking him at that point. I feel like we we let power player power win over Mourinho because obviously Pogba, Martial, Luke Shaw, they all had fallen out with him, and I, I, it just kind of seemed like Man United chose the players over Jose. But now looking back. I, I loved his character. Okay, yeah, the style of play wasn't amazing, but we won some great games. He won, he won trophies with us. That Europa League trophy is still probably the best. It still is the best trophy we've won post Sir Alex. So, I love Josie as manager of United. I did. Beth, what have you made of Ange Postecoglou and Tottenham this season? Because there were a lot of doubters in the summer. Um, about Postacoglu, um, you know, when people looked and delved into his past and uh, seen, seen, seen what he'd done before, you know, a lot of Spurs fans were then very, very excited. Of course, we went on that um, unbeaten uh, start to the Premier League season, unbeaten after 10 games, sitting top of the Premier League, injury after injury. And I know you've already said, you know, a lot of uh, fans and a lot of teams can moan about injuries, but Spurs, my God, we've had a lot of injuries this season. Um, and I think it's fair to say, I don't know whether you're going to agree, if we hadn't had all these injuries, we'd, pr we'd probably be sitting top of the Premier League. Don't know if you'd be top, but you'd be up there. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't there. agree. <laughs> I don't think you'd be top, but you'd be up there. 
And and, and I will agree with that sense of things. Well, but... well, you think of all these problems, all of these issues, suspensions as well. Um, we're only six points oh, away oh, from top. Points you off top. Six. Could be. Could be, to be fair. The Premier League, now now I know it's only six, and then, then you could be because Premier League this season, and this is why I'm so frustrated that we're so bad, because it's actually open for anyone. I do think City are going to go on a mad run, though. De Bruyne is coming back, Haaland's coming back. I think they're going to go on a mad run. I think City are going to win the league. But I do think this season, like it's, it's up for grabs for anyone if they want to go and take that chance and go and get it. Yeah. And the only thing I would revert back to, I know you're playing well this season. I don't want to anger any anger anybody on the channel, but Spurs do have this reputation of being Spurs. It's like I Arsenal think, have a reputation of being bottlers. I so think Ange like, going to change let's, this. Let's see. Let's see. Do, do, what do you think? Do you think Ange is going to change this? Ange might come into Old Trafford on Sunday and go, "Come on, lads, this is the United." The, he probably will, and that's what that's what that's what teams are doing. <laughs> Bournemouth rocked up and said that. Like, have you not seen Gibbs White? He got caught on camera at the United at the Forest game. It was actually hilarious, and he was saying, "Look, these don't want to be here. Look at the faces." And it pans to Ericsson. He looks absolutely scared out of his mind. And I thought that just represents represents where we're at. So, you know, and we'll be saying like, you know, it's United because we are poor. Like, I can't speak. I know that. I absolutely know that. But at the same time. To sit here now and say, you know, I think Spurs are going to win the league. I just can't say it based based off what I've, what I know so far. Have you got a good chance? Absolutely. Are you playing good football? Absolutely. Do I think Ange Postecoglou is doing a brilliant job and a way better job than what I expected? Hundred percent. But I just think because of your previous track record, I've got to see it to believe it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Um, I think that a number of Spurs fans at the moment are excited because, of course, in the summer transfer window, we brought in Vicario. He's been a fantastic signing. Van der Ven, yeah. uh, of course, James Madison. Yeah. You know, it's a really, really good transfer window. And you speak um, a lot about the recruitment at Manchester United being poor. You know, Spurs have gone out and spent money before. And I know Spurs, you know, a, a number of fans criticise the club saying we don't go out and spend big money on players. We have done. Like La Celso and Tongyon Dombele, £100 million on the pair of them. La Celso, you know, a few appearances this season, which he's done well under Ange. But on Dombele, he's gone out on loan yet again. You know, you can't get a tune out of him at Tottenham. Um, it is about recruitment. And I think, Beth, that the recruitment at Spurs since Ange has come in has been exceptional. And we are continuing to do business in this transfer window. Um what do you think Spurs really do need to, to push on to, to be title contenders, perhaps? They are they are backing they are backing him to be fair. And I think that's a good thing for you guys. It can only be a good thing. Like, you know, you are right in the sense of the fact that in previous times, like remember the bail money, how you guys spent that, like it was so yeah. poor. Whereas, you know, the Harry Kane money, like you've spent well. And and you've you you the signings that they that Ange has made are doing well. But what do I think what do I think Spurs need to kick on? You need a proper number nine. In my opinion, like say if you went and got, for example, like an Ivan Tony and Evan Ferguson, even a Dominic Solanke, I think that would that would improve you. I'm, I'm a big fan of all three of them players. Let me have a let me have a little think. Poro's doing well. I do think you need a right back, but Poro's doing quite well. You probably need another centre back, which you've just signed. To be fair to yeah. you, probably could do with one more, maybe. 
I'm just looking. Mickey van der Ven looks great. Romero, for me, is he's a really good centre back, but he's just too too red card prone for, for my for my kind of taste. But we have we have someone like that a little bit like Martinez. I know he's not had red cards, but he's he's got that aggression in him, and I quite like it. I know you can quite like that as a fan. I would say you know you could do with another creative midfielder, but James Madison is excellent. It's just you know obviously because he's been injured, you forget about him. So I would say about a creative midfielder, but but James Madison is, is looking great. To be honest with you, I think your team is shaping up quite nicely. And I think not just because the players are in form, which probably does give you rose-tinted glasses of how well they've done this season, but you look yeah. at your starting eleven, and, you know, Son on the left wing, excellent. Kielsevsky, I think, is really good. You add a number nine to that, a proper number nine. I think you are, like, onto something then. You look at the midfield, highly rate Benton Kerr. Madison's great. Basum has done well this season. Maybe you could do with another holding midfielder, like a proper excellent holding midfielder. Then you look at the back four. Poro's doing well. I think you, Udogi, uh, is it Udogi? Is that how you pronounce his name? Destiny yeah. Udogi. He's been the best left back in the league this season, I would say. Um, Vicario done excellent. So, yeah, your team is looking pretty good. And I hate to say it, but it's true. Beth, all these positives about Tottenham and all these negatives about Manchester United. Sad, Get that Spurs shirt on. Oh, don't! That's not happening. That's not happening. I'd rather I'd rather you guys win the league than uh, City or Liverpool or Arsenal. <laughs> Beth, if I was to ask you to predict the top four this season, what would you go with? City, Liverpool, Spurs, Arsenal. Oh, Spurs above Arsenal. Interested? Yeah. Um, when you think of this fixture, what's your favourite memory? been so many Chris <laughs> oh, no. I know I know the Ronaldo hat trick at Old Trafford I love yeah. that game I love that what? game because I was I was like on like the second row of that I, I sat in a different seat I'm a season ticket holder but I sat in a different seat and maybe this is just recency paying off but I remember just watching that game and thinking unbelievable Ronaldo was just insane and I love Ronaldo I know it didn't work out but that was such a good game I've got to ask Don't, you what? I see people in the chat saying 6-1 <laughs> what, what did you make of the Ronaldo interview with Piers Morgan? A lot of it was truthful regarding the owners and the way that United are run and regarding the players inside the club, none of them being winners. I agree with him on all of that. Don't think he should have thrown the manager under the bus, to be honest. I think that was a little bit disrespectful. But at the same time, should a manager really have been treating Ronaldo like that, who is such a legend of the game and not in an agreement with the way Ten Hag handled that situation, to be honest. Like, I always say, like, playing Ericsson false nine and benching Ronaldo is just so disrespectful, in my opinion. Beth, what did you make of Sergio Regulon? You just sent him back. Spurs didn't recall him. Manchester United wanted to send him back. What did you make of him? Oh, do you know what? When he first, right, when we first signed him, I thought, no, because I've watched him for you guys, like, and I just thought he was terrible. And then when we signed him, he actually had a couple of good games. He's good going forward. He had a couple of good games and I thought, you know what? You know, he gets a crossing. He's got all this energy. I thought, you know what? Let's see if he can keep it up. And then you just see defensively, he's terrible. He gets beaten too much. He's way too weak. He's not very good in the air. Like you said, going forward, he's good. But defensively, you just can't rely on him. So for me, he's, he's not a patch on Luke Shaw. I'm really interested in this answer from you now. Um, what Manchester United players 
would get in this Spurs starting eleven if all players are fit and available? If all players are fit and available, let me go through. Well, Anana doesn't get in over Vicario. Vicario stays. See, I would have said Dallow, but Poro's been so good this season. You've got to stick with Poro, I, I think, feel like. I'd probably play Van de Ven and Martinez as the centre-backs. Over Romero? Yeah. Okay. And that's probably a bit of bias, but I think Romero's good. I think he's a little slightly overrated, but I think he's really good. I know Romero plays over him in the Argentinian squad. I know that. But I do really like Martinez. But I do. I think Van der Ven's like top quality. We'll see what the yeah. new centre back's like. Left back. See, Luke Shaw's like one of my favourite United players, and I think as a player, I would. I think Luke Shaw is like. If I had to pick now, who do I think is a better overall left back? I'd. Oh, it's tough because you doggy's been so. If it's based off this season, I put you doggy left back. You've got to, Beth. I'll tell you what, even yeah. Paul Merson, who hates Spurs, said you doggy is the best left back in the Premier League right now. No, yeah. But if I, if it's based on this season, you've got to do you doggy left back. Midfield three, I would go with if if this is everybody fit. Yeah. This is really tough for me because I'm gonna leave Madison out and people are gonna hate me for it. You can't leave Madison out. I've, well, I can only play one creative midfielder and Bruno Fernandez has to play. Oh my god. Well, if he's based on this season, obviously not. But I'm thinking, is he based on this season or is it in general? Yeah, this season. This season. Okay, okay. If he's on this season, I'd play Kobe Mainu. I actually would play Kobe Mainu to get a Man United player in. And then I'd play Madison. Would you put... You'd probably put... I don't know. Who would who would you put in there as as, as the other Spurs player? Benzenkur has been brilliant. Basuma's been brilliant. They've been two really brilliant performers. Um, of course, Benzenkur has just come back from uh, a number of injuries. Yeah, but I was going to say Benzenkur, but he's been injured a lot. Yeah, he's he's a superb midfielder. That, that's why I feel like we're, we're excited as Spurs fans right now, Beth, because, you know, you look across the whole pitch and our problem uh, this season has been depth. And then when you add a few players in, in this January window, I think this squad starts to look very strong. Yeah, I agree with you. And then, the, and then the front three, I would go with Son on the left. I would actually put Ganacho in on the on the right. I think. And then, oh no, actually no, 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 no. I'll do it like this. I'll do it like this. I'll play Ganacho on the left. I'll play Kuleseski on the right, and then I'll play. No, sorry, no. I'll play Son on. <laughs> I'm getting this wrong. Ganacho on the left, Kuleseski on the right, and Son up front. That's how I'd go with it. That's how I'd fit Kielsesky and Sonny. If you could choose one Spurs player to sign for United, who would it be? Son. Yeah, fantastic player. Are you um, Are you surprised that uh, that Man United didn't end up going in for Harry Kane? Yes, I really wanted us to go for Kane at the time. I was. One of them fans, and I know it's weird because quite a few Man United fans didn't want Kane, and I thought, why? I wanted us to go for Harry Kane. I thought, I, well, I've always thought he's one of, if not the best striker in the world. I think he is the best striker in the world, to be honest with you. And I was shocked we didn't go for that. I thought it was exactly what we needed. We need an experienced number nine that not only 
he's great sticking the ball in the back of the net, but can create and he's great on the ball and he's really experienced. I was so shocked we didn't go in for him and I think it was a massive mistake. And I think he would have come. I do think he would have come if we if we offered the right deal. Mm, I'm not sure Daniel Levy and Spurs would have signed to a Premier League rival. No, Daniel Levy wouldn't probably wouldn't have allowed it, but I think Spurs would have done it. But then he would have looked silly, wouldn't he, this season? (laughs) Spurs would be out ahead of us. (laughs) Do do you think Harry Kane left a year too early under Postacoglu? Now would it would it have been exciting with him in the team? Do you know this? I I heard that apparently everywhere Postacoglu's gone, he's got rid of their best player. And I know, I know, he didn't purposely get rid of Harry Kane. I know Harry Kane kind of wanted to leave, and you needed to kind of let him go. I think Kane would have worked in this system. I yeah. think he would have. It all depends on if he wins the Champions League. If he wins the Champions League, he's done the right thing. If he doesn't, then you start to think maybe he should have stayed. Yeah, I think it's more about team performance rather than individual performances. Mm-hmm. Um, Beth, on Sunday at Old Trafford, uh, the referee would be John Brooks, the fourth official Tony Harrington, and VAR Chris Kavanagh. Now. Talk to me about VAR. What are your thoughts on VAR? Have Manchester United been heavily affected by VAR this season? Yeah, I don't like VAR. I think we've been affected by it, but we've been we've been rubbish, so I can't blame it. Like it's one of them. If we were if we were like you guys and like competing towards the top of the table, then I'd be way more annoyed at some of the decisions. But because we're not, it doesn't really feel like it matters. It's like, for example, I could name so many examples. The only one that went in our favour was the first game of the season, obviously, against Wolves. And they got the decision that it should should have been a pen, like, okay, yeah. And ever since then, everything has gone against us and people just referenced that first game. So, yeah, I think VAR has been very inconsistent. It's probably benefited some teams but it's massively negatively impacted a lot of teams. But I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, yeah, VAR needs to go because Man United have been negatively influenced by it. Every team has had a bad experience with VAR. Everyone's in the same boat, really. So you can't complain too much. I think VAR as a whole just needs to... I don't think it should go. I think it massively needs to be upgraded and be revised on how to use it. They should have had VAR some years ago when when, uh, Pedro Mendes scored from the halfway line. And, and of course, that that wasn't given. Unbelievable decision that. Um, Beth, lastly, um, your score prediction for Sunday and your predicted lineup. Score prediction for Sunday. I'm going to go with two all. Two all. Two all. Yeah, I I don't like to predict a Man United loss, but I don't think we'll win. And we don't draw though, so that'd be that'd be a that'd be a what would I say? That would be rare for us. That'd be rare for us. My predicted lineup will be Anana in goal. We know he's playing. Dallo. It depends if Shaw's back. If Shaw's back, Shaw will go left back and Dallo will go right back. But if Shaw's still out, it'll be Dallo left back, Wambasaka right back. Two centre backs. I feel like he'll stick with Varane and Johnny Evans. I don't think he'd throw Martin straight back in, even if he's fit. And mm-hmm. Maguire the same. The midfield three will be Kobe Mainu. <sighs> will he go Ericsson or will he go McTominay? I think it'll be Kobe Mainu, Ericsson and Bruno, which I think that midfield could get over overrun, could get overrun very quickly. And our front three will be Garnacho on the right, Hoyland up front and Rashford on the left. Well, Beth, you won't be surprised. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Spurs win. Um, well, I think I was you guys us... are predicting to win as well. Well, a lot of us are feeling very optimistic, as I say, right now. And, uh, you know, we need 
we need European football back uh, next season. And uh, it's been a real miss for me. You know, I, I go to every single game home and away. Um, and when you mentioned Europa Conference League earlier, you know, I even went to those Europa Conference League games. You know, Pacos to Ferreira, you know, in the middle of nowhere. It was it was crazy. And uh, we ended up losing the game as well. Um, but you know, I certainly don't want uh, Europa Conference League football. We want Champions League football back at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium next season. So, uh, you know, Spurs are on the right track and the recruitment is good. Everyone's behind Ange and it's like a party atmosphere at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium right now. So Spurs seem to be on the up. Um, Can I ask I you a question quickly? Yeah, where, do you think, where do you think you'll finish at the end of the season? If you'd have asked me that at the start of the season, I would have said 7th or 8th. Because, of course, Spurs finished outside all of the European places last season. And not many people were feeling optimistic. But after the start that we've had and after the, the fact that we've been entertained and and the the exciting thing around Spurs at the moment is the fact that we haven't had all of the squad available at the same time. So we all feel like there's so much more to come. And when we've added in new additions as well, and the manager is really being backed right now, I think that it has to be Champions League football. But you never, ever know what happens. Like, like you said earlier, and, and a lot of people have said this on this channel uh, in the last couple of weeks, no one is running away with this league title at the moment. I'm not mm. sitting here saying Spurs are going to win the league. There's no way I'm saying that. You know, a few people have said it on this channel, but I'm not going to get carried away. I think if we get Champions League football, I think that that has been a massive season. Actually, Beth, let me ask you, are you surprised that Spurs haven't won a trophy in so long? Because our last trophy was 2008. Of course, we played you guys in the final in 2009, the League Cup. You beat us on penalties. But, um, you know, Spurs have had opportunities to win trophies. 2019 Champions League final. Um, just haven't got over that line. And even, even you know, installing managers like Jose Mourinho, Antonio Conte, serial winners, still couldn't get over the line. That's why I didn't want to be disrespectful, but that's why I said before, like, you've got a great yeah. chance of winning the league, but that's why you you don't, as, as outside fans and maybe as fans of the club yourself, you think, believe it when I see it, because they've got such a yeah. reputation of falling at the final hurdle. But... Yeah. I actually, I am, I am, I am surprised with the fact, especially the one I'm most surprised at is that Mourinho didn't walk out of there with a the trophy because the guy went gets a trophy everywhere he goes to, and he should have done, in my opinion, he should have done. So I am surprised because you've had opportunities, but I do think you'll win under Ange. I think he's, and it's like when he in his press conference when he said, you know, do you pitch yourself winning trophies? And he says, I've got pictures. Like just that sort of kind of the way he speaks in in that manner. For me, you will win stuff under him, I think. It feels different. It does. And uh, that's a perfect and, way. I didn't to... expect him to be very good. And he's been absolutely brilliant. So, fair play. Yeah. Yeah. Long may it continue. And uh, Beth, you've been a fantastic guest. Um, thank, thank you so you. much for your time. Um, tell us about you. can find 11. Oh, that's all right. I I've, got, I've got to try and be a United fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tell us a little bit about the United stand and how you got involved, because, of course, we know Mark Goldbridge is, is a massive part of the United stand. But how did you get involved in the channel? Well, I was at university and I was doing media production and sports journalism. And it was kind of COVID times at the time. And I started watching the United stand and Mark was saying he I needed to do a work placement. And Mark was saying that he wanted some new faces on the channel, got in touch uh, went on just for like a few guest appearances and the rest is kind of history. We've just worked together since then. So I love it. I really do. I love it more when we're doing well, which has been hard to come by, to be honest. 
Um, yeah. But I'm just hoping, like, I just, my, my my dream is, and a lot of people laugh at me, I want to be covering Man United when we're winning major trophies. It doesn't feel like it's, doesn't feel like it's very soon, but I'm hoping we will get there eventually. But that, that's that's how I got involved in it. I've got to ask you now about Jerry Barton's comments about women working in, in, in football. What, what have you made of it? Oh, do you know what? I feel sorry for anybody that takes Joey Barton seriously, to be honest with you. <laughs> so my I don't I don't really want to entertain his comments because I think I mean everybody's entitled to an opinion. Every and do not get me wrong, everybody is entitled to opinion. If he thinks women cannot talk about football, that's his opinion and he shouldn't watch it. Like everyone can have an opinion. But to kind of paint all women with the same brush, I feel like just shouldn't be the case. For example, you know. When a female pundit makes a mistake or isn't very good, because they have done that and there is some female pundits that aren't very good, they'll get clipped up and they'll get absolutely hounded across the internet and everyone will say, this is why women should you know, stay in the kitchen, this is why women shouldn't be in football. But then you've got terrible male pundits. Like, I'm sorry, should we, tip, should we clip Tim Sherwood up? Like, he's terrible. And, that, I, and, and nobody will say no men should ever commentate on football if a man does has like poor punditry or makes mistakes so for me it's like one rule for one one rule for another if you don't like it don't watch it and I just think sport should be for everyone to be honest with you in my opinion yeah yeah well said well it's um, like for example you know women can perform brain surgery women can fly airplanes women can do all these things but they can't talk about football when they've been watching it all their life well, Beth, you've been a fantastic guest. So thank you so much. And uh, I won't say wish you all the luck for this, for the rest of the season because, of course, we want the three points at Old Trafford. Uh, I won't be eating any food at the stadium. I'll make sure I eat before I go in. Um, but Are thank you, you so much. For... Yeah, oh, yeah, I'll be going. Give I'll me be a going. message. I'll... Give me a message because I'll be there. <laughs> I'll definitely be there. I'll definitely be there. I'll see you there. Um, look forward to it. And uh, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you on the next one. Until then, come on, you Spurs. on this stage Nissan Townstar EV strikes again it's an unstoppable van unstoppable Look, just fantastic you can actually see the pro pilot technology in action effortless parallel parking it moves with all the confidence that comes with a five year warranty and with a bench full of all star van experts there's real strength in depth here that's all star quality search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all star van centre to see for yourself Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 